1: We learn today that the Trudeau Liberals have uh, signed off on two permanent drug consumption facilities in London, and these were temporary sites, but the Ford government had approved them in their new consumption and treatment services model, and the feds have now signed off. So I know a lot of people will celebrate these things, but nowhere are we hearing an actual strategy to solve an epidemic that is sweeping this country and hitting just about anybody. And they generally, it's not just an addiction issue, but it is a mental health issue. And all we seem to be getting are these Band-Aid fixes to this crisis. And one of those taken in this crisis was Jennifer O'Neill, 38. She suffered mental illness for years, tried to get help. And when that wasn't available, drugs became the issue. And despite many, many cries for help because she wanted to get sober, She overdosed and died in May. Jennifer was the daughter of a retired RCMP officer. And I think if we've learned anything about this crisis, opiates don't care who you are. It will take anybody, and it can happen to anyone. Let's bring Tim O'Neill into this conversation. He is a retired RCMP officer, and he was Jennifer's father. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Tim.
0: Thank you, Alex, and good evening. And uh, thank you very much for having me on your line tonight.
1: No, it is my absolute pleasure, and I appreciate it, because I can't imagine that this is an easy thing for you to talk about, given it was just in May when Jennifer passed. Tell me about her.
0: Um, Jennifer was a 38-year-old single woman living in Ottawa. She suffered with mental health issues, uh, specifically anxiety and depression, for about 20 years. She sought medical help, and it wasn't there, and she started self-medicating. And one thing led to the next, and she got into some pretty heavy uh, street drugs. She ended up going, uh, ended up on methadone, and was in fact was uh, off for over three weeks in May. She was well on the road to recovery, and she had lapsed and went to the streets and got some drugs off the street, uh, which are laced with fentanyl, cocaine, and heroin, and she died on the evening of May seventeenth.
1: As a police officer, you're not a stranger. To tragedy, devastation—certainly not a stranger to drugs on the streets of this country. Did you ever think something like this could happen in your family?
0: I, you, you pray and hope that it doesn't happen to you. You, you you know, there's always a possibility, especially when your children are young. You hope you put them on the right path, and hopefully, you guide them properly so that they lead a a straight and level life. But there's there's never a guarantee with anybody. That they're end up going to be straight. And as I, the lessons I learned, and it wasn't only from my own, ex, own experience, I also uh, worked at the Royal Ottawa Hospital in Ottawa, and I went to uh, counseling services with other people such as myself, and, and, and I realized very quickly that there was no social demographics or age or color or sex that uh, mental health and drug abuse uh, will not affect.
1: This crisis has been going on for some time. Um, it's just in the last I think year that we've really been talking about it because it can no longer be ignored. I just don't know how we got to this point in this country uh where people are turning to opiates so quickly and their lives are being snuffed out uh, just by taking the wrong hit the wrong time. What is the answer in your in your in your mind?
0: I don't know if I have the right answer. I I, I know from my own experience and I'm talking not from a policeman's perspective but from a father and a a, a, a Concerned citizen, and when I speak now, I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of people, many people from across the country who contacted me and asked for help and guidance. We cannot just turn a blind eye to these people and say they're someone else's problem. They're our problem. There are concerns. These are loved ones to somebody, and we can't let another person die. We we cannot have any more safe injection sites unless we also link it to mental health services. I went down just this past week to make sure I had my facts straight. I went to the methadone clinic that Jennifer was going to, and I walked into it in downtown Ottawa. You walk into a sterile room, and there's nowhere. Not, the walls are bare. There's not one poster, not one indication of uh, counseling services available or mental health services available to anybody. So all you do is you walk in the clinic, you get your medication, you walk out. There's no follow-up. There's no guidance. There's no uh, mental health assistance offered at all.
1: And so. You know, these sites are in place to help people. Um, I'm not against, uh, certainly, making sure people don't overdose and making sure people are protected, but my, my my concern is that these injection sites are just a Band-Aid fix to a much, much bigger problem, and they're not helping people get straight or, or sober. They're just, it's like a, a revolving door, and it just seemingly, the problem's getting worse.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you. If a person's coming into one of those clinics, a big part of them is, them is saying to themselves, please, please, please help me. I want to make it through today and give me a tomorrow. They're looking for help, and I don't think the help, from what my own experience was, again, the help is not there for these people. If you're going to give them the drugs or give them a safe injection site, so you should all be prepared to back it up by saying, do you need help? Here's a facility we can go to. Let's take you right now. We'll get you the proper medical help you need. Mental health issues have been a stigma for too long within mm-hmm. our society. Is probably the best-kept secret. Um, I know that for a fact because people c- have come to me after the fact. I would never have known their family was suffering from mental health Ill- illness, or even themselves, unless I talked to them personally as a result of my daughter's death.
1: And Jennifer wanted help. She wanted off the drugs, and she just couldn't get off the drugs. And, and you know, she had mental illness, which is an exacerbator of this whole thing, but she wanted to get healthy.
0: Well, she she tried. She became a prisoner in her own apartment. She couldn't, her anxiety was so bad, she couldn't go out to get a job. She lived on a meager uh, social assistance. She was living basically from social assistance check to social assistance check. She had no extra money whatsoever, and she wanted to work. She wanted to get married. She wanted to get education. She wanted life. And every every year, she'd say to me, Dad, I promise you, next year you're going to see a different girl. She kept promising me this, and she really wanted herself. And I gave Jennifer credit a lot of time for the strength and courage she showed throughout her struggles, and I told her many times that I don't think I could have ever done what she was doing to put the front on she had to put on and just to survive from day to day.
1: And so when you got that phone call, hard to think that, you know, it would have been a surprise, yes, but when you have a child with an addiction issue, do you just wait for that phone call that no one wants as a parent?
0: Unfortunately, yes, and as I've learned from a lot of other people now, they're all sitting on pins and needles waiting for that phone call and they're asking me, so Tim, how did you do it? What do we do? How do we get help? So we don't we don't get that phone call. And the way that society treats these people, it's most appalling is that my daughter died that at 5.30 in the afternoon. I didn't get a call till 10 o'clock at night from the coroner, even though the hospital had my contact information. And I've heard similar stories where people have found out through Facebook Facebook that their loved one has died. There are people even though they had ID in their pocket in downtown Toronto, they were listed as a John Doe. And the family was totally negated the way society is looking at these poor victims is they're just another statistic and it's to move on to the next one i sent a letter to the mayor in june june 10th explaining my plight he didn't even contact me, mm-hmm. my marriage Watson. he didn't even have a common consideration even return my email or even send his condolences to me he'll set up any safe injection sites but he won't reach out to the people that are actually suffering
1: And so we learned today that there are now two more, you know, drug consumption facilities, um, because that seems to be the approach the government wants. What in your mind is the solution? Because we do not have in 2018, it it blows my mind, we don't have any actual mental health plan in this country. And then if you don't have that plan, you don't have an addiction plan. Um, What do you say is the solution, you know, over these consumption facilities?
0: I believe that the political leaders, and we know that uh, health care is provincial responsibility, but the federal government's got to step up, step up also because it's not an Ontario problem, it's not an Ottawa problem, it's a cross-Canada problem. And when I say problem, it is, it's a serious, serious, serious problem. People are dying by the thousand. We need the, the leaders of this country, whether it be the prime minister or the premier or the mayors, to step forward and say, we are going to tackle this. Head on, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to work together with the community. We're going to find a solution. We're going to make sure that one soul is lost ever again and very preventable if we can get the proper help to them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm somewhat concerned because I'm starting to see a trend where it's just, you know, we we have these short-term solutions. We just want to keep people alive, but we don't want to get them, you know, sober. And, and, and that uh, is a problem because you're not really fixing anything.
0: Exactly. If, if you give a person a safe injection site, they may live, they may live for another day, but if, you're given, if you were to give them the treatment, they would become a productive citizen within our society. That's, that's what my firm belief is.
1: Given this, um, Tim, has happened to you, uh, an officer, a retired RCMP officer at that, what would you say, um, you know, to other parents out there or, or even any kind of a political leader uh, listening now, what would you want them to know?
0: I want them to know that this is not a faceless um, problem. This, 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 for every deaf, there's a, there's a person, and for every person, there's a family, loved ones there. And we want these people to make sure they get the proper help. And, and, and if the premier is listening, or if, if our mayors or city are listening, we please, please, let's get together, let's work together. And i would be the first one to step forward and saying, "What can I do to help? Please come to me. I want to make sure." And I know there's a lot of other families out there right now and saying, "We well, are prepared to help. Let's." move forward to let another person die.
1: Tim, thank you so much for sharing Jennifer's story. I really very much appreciate it. And please stay in touch, and we'll see where this goes.
0: So thank you very much, Alex. And I thank everybody who's shown their support to myself and also support for all those out there that are still suffering. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. That is uh, Tim O'Neill, a retired RCMP officer who, you know, he's seen tragedy. I'm sure he's had to, to knock at a few doors of a few parents out there and deliver terrible news, but uh, when that phone rings and it's your own, it changes your life. And again, you hear the headlines. All these facilities, all these facilities, Band-Aid, 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 Band-Aid. When are we going to see a national strategy to deal with mental health issues? When? You know, it's, it's 2018, for God's sakes. On Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.